0: You're listening to CityBeat, the weekly podcast from UrbanMilwaukee.com. Today on the show, we're joined by Sarah Greenberg of Forward Community Investments. Sarah serves as the Regional Director for Southeast Wisconsin for the Community Development Financial Institution. She'll explain to us what exactly that means, how being a mission-driven lender works, and what Forward Community Investments does to make a positive impact in Wisconsin. Don't touch that dial. We'll be right back. Sarah Greenberg, welcome to City Beat.
1: Thank you, Jeremy. I'm really excited to be here. I feel like a celebrity.
0: <laughs> well, excellent. You're here in Riverwest Radio, 824 East Center Street, waving to all the happy people walking by because it's sunny in Wisconsin. Spring might finally be here. Before we go any further, one, thanks for joining the show. Two, tell us what Forward Community Investments is. I'm not sure that's a name most people are familiar with.
1: Sure. Uh, Forward Community Investments is a statewide nonprofit organization. We are headquartered in Madison. We have an office here in Milwaukee in the Lindsay Heights neighborhood that we opened two years ago. Um, We are what's called a Um, Community Development Financial Institution, and we use the letters CDFI for short, which is an organization that is certified by the U.S. Treasury to provide financial services in disinvested communities. So basically, we go where the banks either can't or won't go in order to provide financial services to underserved people.
0: Does that make FCI a bank then?
1: Not exactly a bank. Um, We are a financial institution. CDFIs can be banks. They can also be venture capital funds and they can also be nonprofit loan funds. And we are the third. We are a nonprofit loan fund. So not exactly a bank, but we do provide loans um, and investments like a bank might do. But we do it in low income neighborhoods where banks might not be willing or able to lend.
0: Now you mentioned Lindsay Heights. What neighborhoods in Milwaukee are you looking at?
1: So, we've been investing in Milwaukee for about 10 years, um, but we just opened our office here about two years ago because we found that we were doing about a third of our investments here. And so, with the growth in this market, originally we were really focused on the 53206 and the contiguous zip codes because those are the places that really need investment. But at this point, we've been pretty much all over the Milwaukee area and our Milwaukee office has grown to cover all of Southeast Wisconsin.
0: Now, when you say Milwaukee office, and I hear you're statewide, I envision this firm that is hundreds of people. I know that is not the case. Tell us, I guess, a bit about how big the organization is, where everyone else is.
1: Yes, we are very small. Um, We all wear many hats. Uh, I love saying I'm the director of the Milwaukee office because it sounds like a big deal, but I'm the only person who actually works in the Milwaukee office. Uh, We do have one other part-time staff person here in the Milwaukee area, and then we have about eight people located in Madison, um, and those folks cover the rest of the state.
0: All right, so they don't have the uh, luxury of saying they lead the Rhinelander office or something to that effect, (laughs) and maybe they should consider that. Uh, I know for one thing, when you say you lead the Milwaukee office, you're not this like suburban branch branch plopped on West Fond du Lac Avenue. What building are you actually in?
1: We're located in the Wally Schmidt Tavern building, and that was very intentional because when we looked at our loans, we had a real concentration of borrowers in the Lindsay Heights community, and we were also um, really wanted to put our money where our mouth was. The community ownership of that building, the beautiful historic rehab, that all really spoke to our mission of preserving and investing in urban communities. And
0: for those that might not know it by its Wally Schmidt name, what is the uh, kind of icon that everyone should know that's in the building
1: on the first floor of the building is the tandem restaurant and they have been a wonderful partner to fci and i eat there far too much (laughs) far too much all right
0: so i guess tell us a bit about you mentioned you loan out money how do you get money in the first place to loan out
1: As a CDFI, we are eligible to apply each year for money through the U.S. Treasury, and so we do that on an annual basis, and that ends up making up about a third of the money that we are able to lend. We also get investments from traditional financial institutions, so many of the banks in Wisconsin are partners of FCI and make investments in us, and we turn around and lend that money to communities. We also have a small group of individuals who make investments in FCI, and they're able to receive up to a 2% return. And they do that really because they want to see their money going into the community. And so the combination of those plus a few foundation grants here and there are how we have the money to to do what we do.
0: And then so you you have this pool, essentially, and you're looking for investments. Uh, I think it's safe to say you're not looking for the most profitable investment how do you decide what to invest in how do i pitch to forward community investments that i have a project i think is worthy of your attention
1: sure well as a mission-based lender our mission is really to advance organizations and initiatives that are helping to build racial, social, and economic equity. So the first thing we do when someone calls us about a project is a mission fit assessment. We look at the mission of that organization, we give them a short questionnaire, we go out and take a visit, and we decide if what they are trying to accomplish is really a fit for what we're trying to accomplish with our money. About 95% of our borrowers are nonprofit organizations. We do a little bit of lending to for-profits, um, a little bit to emerging minority real estate developers, but everything is really in line with our mission and how people are executing our mission on the ground.
0: And so what does that look like that when you actually go to make the investment? Are you putting up a million dollars so someone can open a new restaurant or are you putting in just some seed capital to really get the ball rolling?
1: There's a range of investments that we make, um, our maximum loan size in our regular loan fund is 600000 So that's usually the largest loan that we're making into a project. So we are often the gap financing or the bridge financing or that last piece of money that needs to go in to make a project happen. Um, we also are what's called a community development entity and we receive funding through the New Markets Tax Credit Program. Through that program we can make much larger investments. We've invested in projects like St. Ann's Center for Generational Care, the Sojourner Family Peace Center, the Whole Health Clinic in West Dallas. We're able to do much larger um, five and even $10 million investments through that particular program. Um, And we also use a little bit of that money to create a loan fund where we're able to give projects a little bit of a lower rate. So we basically have an array of funds available in our organization that we can tailor to the project that comes to us. Well, let's,
0: I guess, talk about some of the projects that you've worked with. You just hit on a couple, But what have I guess in 2018, is there anything you can share with us specifically that you've done?
1: Sure. Um, Some of the ones we were really excited about in 2018 were we were able to make a line of credit to the Running Rebels organization. We don't do this very often, but this is an organization that receives a lot of their funding through reimbursement programs from the city, from the school system, and they find that certain times of the year their cash flow really fluctuates and dips as they're waiting for reimbursements. And so they came to FCI to talk about if there was a way for us to create a line of credit for them that would allow them to access funds during those times that they need them and pay them back when they didn't. And so that was a really exciting, um, it was a bit of a stretch for us. We did make a very large line of credit in the 200,000 range, but it's such a fantastic organization with such a mission that spoke to us um, that we felt really good about making that investment. We also invested in the New Life Community Development organization, which is located in Lindsay Heights and works with uh, youth in the neighborhood. We invested this year in the Greater Galilee Community Development Corporation that is building a community facility up on Teutonia. About half of our loans go into community facilities of that sort, and the other half is primarily into affordable housing projects.
0: And I think I have one off the top of my head a Brandon Rules Project at 7th and National. I remember a city employee described that one as like a lasagna, I believe her was. Her description is, and as I start reading about these things and I report on them, I always want to mention, here's all the partners that are involved in financing. And you talked about gap financing. Well, the minute there's a gap and it seems like in affordable housing, the gaps continue to get bigger, although it's still the same gap. It's just gone from $100,000 to $500,000. It seems like there's more partners. How does forward community investment find those projects or are those people finding you
1: you know typically they're finding us we don't do a ton of outreach our funds are limited and so you know a lot of stuff comes through the grapevine i spend a lot of time out in the community i try to be at events um, to meet people so that people know that we're here and available Brandon Rule was uh, very exciting because he was one of the first borrowers that we funded through our Emerging Developer Loan Fund that I mentioned a moment ago. Uh, We do have some funds that are available for um, emerging minority real estate developers. And in that project, we actually provided the pre-development funding, which is kind of the riskiest money that goes in because it goes in before the project is even fully baked and ready to go. And so we were really excited to be able to be in there early, put our faith in Brandon, Um, And we did end up getting paid back, and you can drive over there now. The project's beautiful.
0: So when I look at your projects, I understand when you talk about your mission, it makes perfect sense in Milwaukee. What does it look like statewide where Wisconsin doesn't always look like Milwaukee in terms of its people, in terms of its challenges?
1: So Forward Community Investments about five years ago actually did a little um, moment of stepping back and taking a look at our mission. And one of the things we did was a listening tour where um, our staff and our leadership went around the state and asked about the biggest challenges that people were facing. And what they heard most strongly was really racial equity uh, um, and growing economic inequality.
0: So you're doing this, and we had to take a break because Wisconsin is not kind to everyone with their colds that just seem to endlessly come around. You you were doing this statewide tour learning and hearing about racial equity is something that people are interested in.
1: Yeah, and we were hearing about the growing economic inequality that people were concerned about throughout the state, and also a really pressing need for affordable housing. And so we came back and did a little reworking of our mission to really focus on equity. Um, It looks different in every community, but there are community facilities that are being built throughout the state there are affordable housing projects that happen throughout the state our president was up recently in Eau Claire Wisconsin learning about the needs there she learned about 300 homeless children in the school system which really just blew us away because we just don't um, spend a lot of time in that community and so understanding how poverty exists in different parts of the state it's really challenging, but it's it's really fun to try to get in there and help.
0: And so when you say these eight people, are they geographically targeted out of Madison? Are there people that are kind of the northern Wisconsin specialists and they really have their eyes and ears on the ground?
1: No, uh, right now... We just have our folks in Madison who do our accounting, our underwriting, our president who does a lot of the outreach in other parts of the state. Um, We have thought about in the future maybe having people that are specific to different parts of the state, but we found over time that about a third of our lending happens in Madison About a third of it happens here in Milwaukee and southeast Wisconsin, and another third happens throughout the state. So it hasn't really made sense to have an actual person stationed anywhere else yet.
0: And does Ford Community Investments have dreams of getting substantially bigger, or is it at a size right now that, you know, maybe we want to be a little bit bigger in the future, but this is really what's good and manageable?
1: We, you know, we would love to grow, and we have been growing over the years. It's very hard to be a small nonprofit organization, as I'm sure a lot of our listeners can understand. And it's even harder to be a small CDFI because it comes with a layer of government regulations and reporting that we have to adhere to. So ideally we would grow, um, but we try to grow carefully and sustainably. And we try to make really good investments that are going to be beneficial in the community in the long term. So I wouldn't say that we have huge grant ambitions, but as the need grows, we plan to grow with it.
0: And how does a CDFI DFI fit into a universe that has uh, like LISC. You talked about the Running Rebels. They're a Mandy finalist. That's a LISC program. We have Christy Luzar was on the show from UEDA, the Urban Economic Development Association. How does your organization interface with all those different groups?
1: Um, those are all great partners to FCI actually some of those are community development financial institutions including LISC although they're a national organization so they have a much broader scope um, FCI is a member of UEDA, and so we have partnered with them on the past on workshops and other initiatives we try to be um, as close to the ground and as close to other organizations as possible it's where I get a lot of referrals for loans um, other nonprofit organizations that groups come to looking for help will refer people to me. Uh, with LISC, we have had a, a task force looking at how to provide financing to emerging developers like the folks who come out of the ACRE program. So I think there's a real um, partnership in community development, and groups try really hard to work together to keep int- keep each other informed on what's going on.
0: Well, you've been doing it. I mean, you, you talk like you're an expert on this and have been doing it forever, but I have this sense that you haven't. Uh, you told me this is your fifth anniversary of relocating to Wisconsin. What were you doing before you joined FCI?
1: Sure. Uh, well, the first couple of years that I was in Milwaukee, um, I spent a few years at the Northwest Side Community Development Corporation, which is also a CDFI with a little bit different focus. Uh, we made loans to businesses that were relocating to the Northwest Side. Uh, before I moved to Wisconsin in 2014, I spent about 12 years in Washington, D.C., and I did work work at community development at the national level. Um, I worked with organizations around the country, helping them do housing and community development projects through a national organization called NeighborWorks America. And I also worked in historic preservation for the National Trust for Historic Preservation.
0: And it seems to me you might have uh, not left your historic preservation roots completely. You're the board president, I believe, of Historic Milwaukee Incorporated. Tell us, I guess, a bit about what the organization hopes to achieve in 2019.
1: Sure. I became involved with Historic Milwaukee as soon as I moved to Milwaukee because we have wonderful historic resources here, and they are such a great organization. Um, Many people don't know that they are the organization behind Doors Open. We often, during Doors Open weekend, have people walk up to us and ask if the city runs this event, and uh, we're very very pleased to say no it is a very small nonprofit organization with just four staff that actually pulls off this amazing weekend each year. Um, Historic Milwaukee has been growing incredibly over the last five years. Um, uh, when I joined the board Our budget was in the $250,000 range and now we are getting up to being over half a million. Uh, We made some big changes in the last few years. We moved our offices from the Mitchell building to the Mackey building. That was to be closer to the streetcar but also so that we could open a small retail store and we sell items there like books and gifts that really celebrate Milwaukee and the built environment. Uh, We're going to be expanding that space so that we can do more events there in the future. And, you know, we have our Spaces and Traces event coming up on May 11th. Uh, we'll be celebrating the Washington Highlands in in Wauwatosa, which is having their 100th anniversary this year. And then our Doors Open event this year will be September 28th and 29th.
0: Well, I think a lot of people know what Doors Open is. The doors are literally thrown open. You can go in 200 buildings. It's free. If you're a member, you even get some perks. What is Spaces and Traces? You're talking Washington Highlands. It's not like a mini doors open. It's a bit different than that.
1: Yeah, it's a bit different than that. Um, Spaces and Traces is really more of a deep dive into one neighborhood. We typically have a few lectures um, on special aspects of the neighborhood and then actual homeowners open their doors. So it's almost a residential type of doors open, which is really exciting because you don't often get to go into people's homes. Um, but we usually have, you know, at least 10 folks who are willing to open their homes and have people walk through throughout the day. So you can design your own tour, you can walk around the neighborhood, you can see the commercial spaces um, and the churches. And things like that, but then you get to go inside people's homes. And I think people really enjoy doing that. And our homeowners that participate actually get uh, a house history produced for them by Historic Milwaukee, which is always a lot of fun. And then we have volunteers who act as tour guides and take people through those homes.
0: And if you're going to Washington Highlands, that's in Wauwatosa, I imagine this will be, even if you're not interested in historic preservation, will be quite the amazing homes that will be opening their doors this year.
1: Yeah, and we do expect to have a lot of beautiful homes. And although we do celebrate historic preservation at Historic Milwaukee, we're also interested in the built environment. So the houses are not always historic, but they are always interesting. Sometimes it's people who have done a beautiful job on their interior and want to show that off. And so there's a lot of variety in what you can see on that day.
0: Well, I have one question about Historic Milwaukee. It is a not, it's a 501c3 nonprofit, correct? Yes. And this is where my, my knowledge of IRS rules and uh, the federal government might betray me and my lack of knowledge, I should uh, admit. Why? So there's the Milwaukee Preservation Alliance. They're a regular at the Historic Preservation Commission in Milwaukee, advocating for certain buildings to be preserved. Why is Historic Milwaukee not taking up that mantle directly?
1: Well, I think we don't take up that mantle because Milwaukee Pre- Preservation Alliance does such a good job of it. I think there was some discussions a few years back before I became involved in the organization about the various functions and it became very clear that Milwaukee Preservation Alliance was equipped to take on that man- mantle of advocacy and they've done a wonderful job advocating for the domes, the soldiers home, and and we support them. Many of us, many of our board members are members of that organization as well. Historic Milwaukee decided that a better route for us was really to focus on education. And so um, as an education organization, we provide walking tours throughout the city, uh, events like the ones that we were talking about, we have book talks. Um, So we really focused our mission in order to not overlap and to complement what they do.
0: All right. Well, I have been educated then. And I really, I can't uh, give enough of a plug for people to check out Doors Open Milwaukee. I was involved in starting up the event. I've been to similar events in Denver and somewhere else. I went, to, anyways, it's a wonderful way to see other cities, but it's really a great way to showcase Milwaukee to Milwaukeeans, which really surprised me of how many people are like, well, I never considered going there before, and it, it works well, and it's free. So that is a big selling point. You're on the board of another nonprofit, though, Tempo Milwaukee. Tell me what that is.
1: Yes. Well, Tempo Milwaukee, I'm actually a member of Tempo Milwaukee, which is a women's executive leadership organization uh, here in the city. Um, As part of Tempo Milwaukee, I serve on the Tempo Foundation Board. And the Tempo Foundation Board has been providing scholarship assistance for many years. But in the past two years, we've really taken a deep dive and looked at that foundation and what else we can do. And we've begun providing continuing education grants to women at all levels. And so uh, last year was our first year awarding a continuing education grant, and we will be awarding our next round coming up at our meeting in April. But it's just a great way for women to uh, support each other, and especially for executive women who don't often get the opportunity to go to to continuing education, this is a way for them to secure a little funding in order to do that.
0: And if people are interested in learning more about that, where should they be looking?
1: Uh, We do have a website for Tempo Milwaukee, and I couldn't tell you the exact URL, um, but if you went to tempomilwaukee.org, you would be able to find that information.
0: All right. And what else, I guess, because I, as a white male, know very little about Tempo. Uh, tell me more about what the organization does is it, it has Milwaukee in the name so I assume I can find tempo chapters in other cities and states uh, how many people are we talking what type of programming is there
1: I believe we have about 500 members and we have a monthly program that usually happens at the University Club where we have a, an educational speaker who comes in um, it's very much about networking building professional networks, and people also make a lot of friends through Tempo. They have some excellent programs, like one called Mentor Circles, where women can get together on a weekly, on a monthly basis um, to provide mentoring to each other. Uh, We do fun events sometimes, um, where we've gone and toured the Buck Stadium, um, and some other behind-the-scenes tours, like the FBI building. So it's just a way for women executives to connect, and to network, and to have a Place that's really just for them.
0: Is there a connection between your work at Forward Community Investments and Tempo? Because I hear a lot about disadvantaged communities. We know women are unfortunately paid less, they're treated uh, not as good as they should be in many cases. Is there a connection there, or is it just something of personal interest to you?
1: Well, it's a personal interest, but I also represent FCI when I am at Tempo. There are actually a, a lot of nonprofit. Members of Tempo, and so I think we have a little community within a community where folks who work for nonprofits um, network with each other. But it's more of a personal interest and a way to stay on top of my own career.
0: All right, and one thing I didn't ask you before what drew you to Milwaukee?
1: Well, I was drawn to Milwaukee as a trailing spouse uh, because my husband came here to work as a professor at UW Milwaukee.
0: All right, and what I guess the job opportunities for professors are always tough. You can't get a job at, you can't invent a college. So I assume he was searching for a job and just stumbled upon UW-Milwaukee as a perfect fit that wanted him.
1: Yeah, uh, you know, as an academic, you really have to cast a wide net. Most academics do a nationwide search, and that was what he did. Um, he interviewed at a few places and was very excited about the work they do at UW-Milwaukee. Uh, we found it to be a bit of a hidden gem. Um, They actually have some very uh, excellent programs there that people don't know about, and so it ended up being a good fit.
0: And what is, I guess, what was your impression of Milwaukee before you moved here, and what was the one really eye-opening thing, negative or positive, when you got here?
1: You know, I didn't have a lot of impression before I came here, but I grew up in Cleveland, so I had the idea that it would be similar I was actually surprised that the city proper is much larger than the city of Cleveland. Uh, The city of Cleveland's about 350,000, where Milwaukee is about 600,000. So I found it to be a lot more dense than I expected. And one of the things that I loved the most was the way Milwaukee has preserved its lakefront. Cleveland has a very old airport on the lake and a lot of industrial uses. And that was always kind of disappointing because you could see lake erie but you couldn't really get to it and so the way you can walk along the beach here you can drive around um lincoln memorial was just something that i wasn't expecting and i wasn't uh, anticipating how much i would enjoy that
0: all right well i guess for we only have a couple minutes left what is one thing you really want people to know about forward community investments how can they learn more about it
1: Sure. Well, we do have a website, so of course, they can go to forwardci.org. I would like people to know more about community development financial institutions in general. Every year, um, the, the presidential budget, it comes under attack, and so it's something that we have to keep on top of advocating. It's a program that has been popular on both sides of the aisle because it does really stimulate the private market. But as with anything with a social benefit, um, it's something that we have to be vigilant to make sure it stays in the federal budget each year.
0: Well, one last question for you, the question we ask all our guests at the end of the show. What is your underrated Milwaukee restaurant or bar that you want people to patronize more?
1: You know, I'm a diner person, and on my first visit to Milwaukee, I went to Ma Fisher's, and it has just earned a place in my heart. Uh, we don't have a lot of diners like that on the east side. I love that it's 24 hours. You can go in any time of day. They always have delicious soups, and it just has a real um, comfort zone feeling for me.
0: And is there a particular thing on the menu you really like? You mentioned soups.
1: I love their dumpling soup. Um and I have that every time I go.
0: And here's the real question. Have you been to Ma Fishers between the hours of midnight and 3 a.m. before?
1: <laughs> I definitely have, yes. And I'm familiar with um, having to pay in advance when you go <laughs> in at that time of night. And and I understand and, and definitely comply with that, <laughs> that policy. <laughs>
0: Well, good. Well, Sarah Greenberg, thanks for joining City Beat. Uh You can learn more about Sarah. She gave the website for Forward Community Investments. She's a board member of Historic Milwaukee, and she's involved in Temple Milwaukee. We'll share all that on the post on UrbanMilwaukee.com when we share this podcast later this week. Sarah, thanks for joining. Thank you. All right. You've been listening to City Beat on Riverwest Radio. We're here every Tuesday from 3.30 until 4.00. Thank you, and talk to you next week.